Hello and welcome to Reality Check, the podcast that gives you the truth about the state of marketing. On Reality Check, we interview people who are at the top of their game and the highest levels of the marketing industry. No theory here, just reality. This is the podcast for agency owners. We only talk to the most senior of marketing directors or those at the top of the agency game. Our aim is to bring you heaps of value in just 30 minutes. I'm Oliver Duffy Lee, and I'll be your host. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reality Check. In this episode, I'm joined by Global VP of Marketing for North America and LATAM for the ADECO Group, Edmundo Nava. In this episode, Edmundo joined me from his amazing log cabin in America near Atlanta. There were two things that I really enjoyed and really struck me about our conversation. The first was Edmundo's favor for experimentation. He sees one of the biggest dangers for marketing in the year 2020 and beyond of people playing it safe and has a massive bias towards experimentation, being fearless and trying new things. The second thing that I really loved about our interview was how Edmundo really explained the complexity of the buying process within big international companies. I think one of the key lessons that agencies need to really understand and really learn is that buying is not easy for big international companies. Some agencies think we just turn up, present an amazing, breathtaking idea, and then someone presses a buy button and the process and the solution is bought. It's not that simple. And in this episode, Edmundo really outlines how it can be complex and the complexities behind that buying process. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat that I had with Edmundo Nava. Okay, Edmundo, great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining. As a way of getting started, can you just introduce yourself, please? Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. So I'm Edmundo Nava, digital marketer. Basically, I've been in transformation, um, martech, ad tech, I'm just bringing agile to the teams. I used to be based in US back in the days, working with a Deco group for 10 years, you know, working in global projects and rebranding and digital transformations, everything related with marketing. I was based in London for over two years. And that was the center of gravity working with agencies and, and uh, you know, like digital agencies, rebranding agencies, yeah. analytics agencies, SEO, and traveling all over Europe. And now I'm just back to US just to lead the North American Latin efforts. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. And actually, we're going to get into the marketing in a second. But just for anyone listening, can you just paint the picture of exactly where you are right now? Because I've, I have the pleasure of seeing it and it's an amazing scene. But just tell us, what, what, what can you see around you? Yeah, so, so I have a townhouse, like a cabin in the middle of the, the woods. So I have a creek, I have a forest, and it's just beautiful. I used to be based in Shoreditch in London, you know, like concrete. <laughs> the opposite. And now instead of going for a coffee, you know, I just, I just take like a quick five minute walk around the woods and come back home and beautiful place. It's next to Atlanta in the Appalachian Mountains in the US. Wow. It's amazing. Um, really a, a beautiful scene. I'm, I'm very jealous. So tell me, in your current position, what are your key marketing goals right now? What are you trying to achieve right now? Yeah, so I have a global role. So we're trying to drive brand experience and consistency as far as that. 
and we want to enhance the user experience, right? Now that we have like a brand platform, we rebranded the, the, the main global brands. So now it's like, how can we bring like uh, the same ton of voice, the same experience and going from local to global? We used to be decentralized and now we're getting centralized. Mm-hmm. So we're going through that transformation. And we want to be like, like a marketing powerhouse with the latest tools, capabilities, and knowledge. And obviously drive efficiencies, remove duplication. And at the end of the day, it's like simple, right? We have B2B, we have to generate leads. And from the uh, B2C, we have to increase the candidate flow. Um, that's basically it. Okay, interesting. And, and in trying to achieve those goals, what are the key challenges that are coming up? And I'm interested to know, not just uh, you know, the challenges you have now, but have those challenges changed a lot because of the way 2020 has been? Or is it yep. just you've had these challenges anyway? I think we have the, the overall challenges and obviously we're adapting with this new normal. Well, I think that the main thing is like just to transform the, the, the culture and collaborate, you know, like the people component and the processes. And, and obviously we need like a very robust ecosystem of uh, tools, you know, like and platforms. And then change the cultures of the team from like just providing like marketing assets to lead gen assets and performance content, right? And let the, the local teams just to focus on what is really bringing value. So those are the main things. Okay. It and, sounds and so, easy, <laughs> but it's complex. Well, I was just about to ask that actually, because obviously you work with a, a global company and you have a role which spans across many regions. So how much of that is a challenge sort of splitting your time, your resources between the global efforts and then giving the local efforts the, or the local regions the tools to do their job? Right. So I think that globally, you have to get the budgets, the buy-in, you have to talk with a global HR, global finance. Uh, I mean, you have all the, the different tracks that they are running at the same time. And, and also you have to keep the, the CEO and the main stakeholders informed. And then also you have to activate that locally. So locally, you have all of these resistance to change, the charge model, and then I guess that you have three different layers, right? Like the top leadership that you have to keep informed, the, the medium management with the CMOs, and then the people that actually activates and the, the type of conversations and needs that you have is completely different on each level. So I would say that I spend like 50% of my time with global reporting and, and aligning, and the other 50% is uh, with local teams. Okay, interesting. And and so in respect, I imagine now you everyone is working from home. Is that the case? Or most of the people are working from home. I think it's interesting that especially the people that execute, you know, like uh, SEO analytics, graphic designers, project managers, they are working from home and they enjoy that kind of like loneliness and heads down, etc. But yeah. like when you're talking to a CMO or like a CEO. They are really craving being in the office. So, so even if they, they, the offices are like semi-closed, they are really trying to go to the office, right? So it's like yeah. a mix. Okay. And, and what about you? What's, what's your preference? Do you see working from home hybrid or how do you, how do you play it? I think that I'm enjoying working from home. I think that is like an efficient way to do it. Obviously, you have to disconnect and, and you have to take care of your of yourself, but like definitely working from home, I think that allows me to 
to be more efficient also allows me to reach out to, you know, like uh, different talents. So now it's not like, you know, before COVID, everything was like, hey, we want like uh, agile, everything, you know, all the people sitting in the same place, yeah. you know, like co-located, you know, like, uh, and now it's like, actually, I can just tap into different countries and just get the talent and also the retention, you know, from, from that reason. So I'm enjoying working. That's, that's interesting. And, and what about like engagement? Do you find it from a leadership perspective, do you find it hard to keep people informed and engaged or is it just... No, no, not at all. I mean, like back in the days, I used to travel all the time like, yeah. like crazy, right? I mean, like uh, I used to spend a lot of time in Prague, in Zurich, I mean, like all over. Nice. Right? So even traveling to Zurich for the day and coming back to London or things like that. So now, if I have to present to the, to the CEO instead of flying to Zurich, I just set up all my lights and everything at 2 a.m. In, in, in the morning in my, in my home. And I have a conversation with them there in the offices. So, uh, I mean, I, I actually, it's like an icebreaker, you know, when they ask about like, hey, where are you at? I mean, like, it, it, it's not a problem. Yeah. I mean, like seamless. Yeah, cool. I think it's, it's quite funny, like the, um, you know, virtual communication is all fine and we're all able to connect with people all over the world seamlessly. The one thing we haven't worked out and probably will never is the time differences. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's the trade-off. I mean, like imagine, imagine just flying from US to, to Zurich, right? So it's like a two or True. three day trip and then you present for a couple hours. And then you, you're back and you have the jet lag and, and yeah. on all of these byproduct and, and all the time that you spend commuting, et cetera. And if you wake up at 2 a.m., maybe you're a little bit like in the morning, you get lots of coffee, et cetera. But like, it's not bad. I even yeah. think that it's better. I think that's a good, it's a good way of looking at it. It's that little trade-off. I agree completely. So um, actually, let me talk about you quickly. So from your side, you know, a marketer uh, through and through, what is your sort of marketing speciality, would you say? I think at the strategy, I used to play through my career. I think that I've been on this like 20 years already. So I, you know, I, I used to be a, an SEO person, a project manager, a UX person, a video producer. So I play like every single thing that you can imagine, right? <laughs> and now I have people and agencies that they do all of that for me. Yeah. But I enjoy running experiments, right? That I don't have to put budget and I do my, um, videos and run experiments and I get like two or three people and we run these experiments. So I think that my sweet spot is like a strategy because I can understand like, hey, this is a problem. We have to, you know, like this is, I always want the business just to give me the what, right? Like what exactly you're trying to accomplish and we'll provide yeah. the, the how and also the, the measurements and everything, right? So I think that I'm really good at making sense of a complex uh, problem and just bringing that into a very laser-focused, actionable items and just get the right partners and the right team together in order to execute. Excellent. That's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm curious, maybe you won't, be, you won't be able to say, but I'm curious about these little experiments you conduct. What's, what's, give me an example. What sort of thing? So I, I guess that one example is like, you know, for like big companies, we used to run like this, like a day in the life and we hired like a video oh, cool. company and maybe like a, like a company just to promote the video, et cetera. So you, you have like big budgets and then you have a lot of expectations from the stakeholders that they are paying for that, right? The problem with that is like nobody's taking risk because like nobody, mm -hmm. nobody wants to push the envelope a little bit. There's a lot of money, a lot of stakeholders. So you play safe. 
right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you hire an agency that maybe you can blame them, you know, if something goes <laughs> wrong. And no, no, for real, that's, yeah, that's what happened, right? So, so then you're missing the, the performance content and actually trying to do something that engage, right? So if you go, for example, to the YouTube channel in, in, a, in a deco or, or accounting principles, etc., you can see some of my experiments. So, so I guess that, so I get together with some people. So for example, we uh, strategize on the, the bobblehead, you know, like a person like carrying like a box and then oh, yeah. going to another company, like storytelling, and then like, you know, like gets the bobblehead and it's like the metaphor that is sitting next to another bobblehead and then they love and they job. And then you have the call to action, right? So okay. then I, I just do it. I like sound, video production, you know, like promotion, you know, like you put like 500, you know, like in promotion. And then you get like more traction. And then mm-hmm. the beauty of this is like I have indeed with big budgets, you know, like just copying exactly the same concept yeah. that I did. And they do it with like big budgets, et cetera. And they don't get a lot of traction, right? So for me, that's the beauty. That's the cherry on top of the cake. I love that. I love that. And so do you think actually it's, it's helpful for senior marketing leaders to have a background in implementation, in practicality, in, in doing? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, every time that I talk with the agencies and the partners of the agencies, it's pretty much the same background. I mean, like they, maybe when they created the agency, they were like playing all of these roles, et cetera. Yeah. And when you have the pitch to, to your company or when they engage in the strategy, I mean, you have like these fantastic people, right? With like these like clear, at least our clear vision. The problem is like they hand that over to other people in their team that probably they don't have that level of clarity and everything gets deluded, right? But like, I mean, like that's 100%. I think that, that that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Yeah. You have to be like well-rounded, run experiments. And also, I think, especially in the corporate world, you have to be fearless in the sense that at some at some point, they may fire you and you have to be fearless in the sense that you just have to do whatever you think at this right and just run with the punches, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I think I sometimes think about that in relation to sport. I don't know if you, if you follow sport or not, but um, I'm a big soccer fan. Yeah, so, some of them. Yeah, yeah. So And like, you know, some of the best managers out there were excellent players. But you know, some of the best managers out there, they never played ever, right? So it's this, right. it's this thing, like, does it, does it matter? But I think when it comes to marketing, yeah, I think having a practical background where you've really been in there and you've actually been creating stuff yeah. really helps. It really, yeah. So one thing, so a lot of the people that listen to this are agency owners. That's one of the big audiences that we have at Reality Check. And yep. so I'm curious, I know you must have a great experience of working with agencies. Let's start from the positives. What is it that you love working with agencies and how and what sort of work do you work with agencies for? So I work with branding agencies, digital agencies, transformation agencies, SEO agencies, analytics agencies, and, and like a mix. I sometimes I get like a like in a small boutique agency, sometimes I get like a you know, like a big WPP agency, mm-hmm. you know. But the, the beauty of that is like you get, you can tap into really, really creative, like like-minded people, they, like the clarity, the, the rapid prototyping, you know, like being able to make sense of the world and bring clarity to a complex problem, you know, like just mood boards or 
You know, like, for example, with some agencies, they are like, hey, executives, they have issues like like expressing their feelings. So then you have like a, like a photo of like, hey, how do you want to look like a, like a lion or like a, like a car or and, and then and then they have like these phenomenal like uh, frameworks in order mm-hmm. to, to gather information and make sense of the world. I love that. Right. Like the culture, the the the. the you know, like the, the type of DNA that like learning on the fly, emerging leadership, usually like low, low ego. I love that. I think that. And, and then the fact that they work with different agencies and, and all of these like uh, flavor, I, I mean, it's just phenomenal. I, I just love all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's kind of like that X factor that out of the um, yeah. that sort of thinking you wouldn't get internally, right? Correct. Yeah, internally, I, I think that the DNA of more like the corporate person is like, you know, like plain, safe, repetitive work, reliable. And then uh, the agency is more like, you know, like pushing the envelope. That's why you hire them, right? Like, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's different DNAs. I think there's a freedom in objectivity as well. You know, that when you're super involved in a brand, you can be restricted by the fact that, you, that there are so many things you think, well, that wouldn't work for this reason, for that reason. Whereas agencies can just come in from the complete fresh mind, right? Right, exactly. Yes, hundred percent. And so, and so what, yeah. what, what things frustrate you about working with agencies? Like, like how? What do you think agencies can improve? Well, I love the pitching process, right? I mean, like you get the the best talent, and they go to you, and they outline like all of this like ambition and expectations, and and all of that is beautiful, right? So, so would you engage with them? I think that one of the main issues is the rotation. They have a lot of rotation in their teams, okay. you know. Yeah. They have to jump to the next client and, and they move you to a, you know, like to execution mode. And sometimes you don't get the eight players or you get like a little bit of the bandwidth of the eight players, you know. And then at the end, no one is really curating the, the end, right? I mean, for them, it's more like, like the implementation backlog, right? I mean, like like times and materials, you know, like making sure that that's happening. And maybe at the end, it's like there's a lot of friction in like managing expectations for the client, you know, when you invite, when I invite my stakeholders and you have the briefing session, you know, like they are like, oh yeah, we would love to have like artificial intelligence. And what if we do like A, B, and C? So in their minds of the stakeholders, they think that that's a given. Right, so they yeah. don't manage expectations because they are like, it's like when you go to a fast food place that that they are trying to cross sell you like the, the bigger package, etc. Exactly. Right, so so in the briefing session, that's what they do. And from my end, it's like, no, guys, I mean, like what you're doing is actually, you know, like when when you deliver, most of the times they under deliver because the expectation was created. I mean, like with the post its and everything, nobody said like, hey, all of these that that you are signing priorities and the implementation backlog, all of this is not going to get done at this phase, right? So no one is, is like the bad cop managing those expectations. And at the end, they are like, hey, in the SOW, we have a, 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 a single contact point and, and that person internally should manage expectation, not us, right? Does that right. make sense? It does make sense. And so, so do you think there's a culture sometimes of agencies trying to maybe feed too many mouths, like sell services, which maybe you're not asking for? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, because they just want the, the cross-sell. They just want to keep the ambition. They just want to keep selling, etc. right? And also, there's like a lack of understanding of all the internal politics when you have like a big company, right? That you have to go through procurement. Yeah. Maybe they are saying like, hey, this is really simple. You know, we can have access to your databases. But well, in order to do that, you have to make a case with IT and probably it's going to take like three, four months to make a business case for that. And they are not helping you to navigate all of these like change mm-hmm. management component, right? So, so sometimes I wish that you can have like a change management person that is helping you navigate those briefs, that change management internally, because otherwise they are just sharing the ambition, but they are not like mindful on the, on the dysfunctional component of the corporate world. I think that's such a good point. And I think agencies that are really successful are very good at making it easy to, for their, to buy their services or to buy their, uh, yes. what they're doing. Because like you say, it's a minefield for big, massive international companies like yours, for example. I imagine there's a hell of a lot of stakeholders per deal, right? Right, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. So, so that management, I think that's, this is a really interesting point. I think any agency that is trying to play at that level, at international company level, Making it as easy to buy as possible is such a key point. So how, how, would, yeah. how would someone do that then? Let me just give you one example. Yeah. Right? For example, you have Sitecore, the CMS, and you can have a, a partner and you get like a new website and you get everything in Sitecore, etc. And you spend a lot of money and then you have analytics, rebranding, ecosystem, everything, right? So let's say that everything is ready and then you have like two or three agencies, you know, like just to do that. So then you're like in support mode but nobody is going to the CMS because actually the, the, the marketing people, they are not logging into the CMS uh-huh. because maybe there's rotation, there's no training. They have to create content and it's like self-serve. And, and they are afraid of how to create content, how to push something that actually is viable. So, so if you can impregnate, if you can get like, I think there's one agency, I don't know if, uh, if I should mention names, but like I remember one agency that they were a little bit more expensive, but they were saying like, hey, we're going to pilot all of this experience in like two or three different markets. It's going to be more expensive, but they are going to be the evangelist. And now uh-huh. once they are trained and everything, they are going to start like uh, teaching and bringing all the other markets on board. That's the only agency that I ever seen doing that, and I think that is fantastic. It's just more expensive. Yeah, so they, so they really show an understanding of the challenges you're going to have yeah. once you to get the most out of that solution. Yeah, I think that's great. Let me ask you, Edmundo. So, I have been speaking to quite a few marketing directors, and they seem to be since lockdown. I'm not sure if this might happen all the time, anyway. But since lockdown, yeah. especially, they've been getting bombarded specifically on LinkedIn by agencies and new business people trying to get your attention. Has that been happening to you? All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's funny because they get like creative and, and some of them, uh, it doesn't resonate to me. And, and sometimes I even like just reply back more for entertainment, you know, because, you know, like sometimes they use like, like a catchy song and they are like, you know, like, and I use the subject line and sometimes I just go back to them. And, and uh, but yeah, it's, it's difficult for me just to, it's, it's a lot of noise, let's say like that. Yeah. yeah. And so, so are there any times that you get approaches like that, that it's like, actually, no, this is, this is a good approach and, I, and I'm going to reply seriously. So I had people 
you know, like just when you when you get invited, and that was like pre-COVID, right? That that actually they're not aggressive, right? That they try to build a relationship. Yeah. And they are trying to obviously gather information, but they are not like pushy. It's more like a therapy, right? Like just trying to understand like what are your pain points, but they don't push any service, right? Yeah. Uh, down the road, I reach out to those people, right? So, and, and I guess that post-COVID, you know, like sometimes they invite me to to be on a speaker on a conference. Friends, etc. But obviously, there, there's like a cross-selling in there, right? That, that let's just go to a focus room or something like that, and let's 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 have a conversation, etc. And that works really, really, really well because now we're speaking the same language and with like-minded people, etc. I think that it, it takes more time, but yeah. like an email is not going to make the trick. No, exactly. It's it's a it's got to be a conversation, right? It's got to be two-way, right? Exactly. They have to. They, they have to invest, and and I think that they have to forget about like quantity and just target like a handful uh, of people that they know that they can make a, a change. Just try to establish a relationship without trying to push product. Just more like trying to get like a win-win of trying to understand what are the pain points and how to help each other, and then the business will come. Yeah, I like that. I think I think that's, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Um, so, Edmundo, this has been absolutely awesome, and I have one more question for you because this is a question yeah. I've asked I've asked everyone. But tell me, what do you think is the biggest challenge we're facing in marketing right now, and and what do you think is the route out to solving it? Yeah, so I think that is the same thing. I mean, like clients, customers, they are like bombarded with like uh, all of this noise, you know, and yeah. all of these marketing strategies. So I think that they became numbed. Uh, I mean, they really don't, don't listen to... So, so I think that the main challenge for marketing is plain safe, right? And, and then you, you, you have to be bold. You have to do fewer things and then you have to measure them. Um, and it's the same approach, right? I mean, like just try to run like a, like a bold experiment, like get a partner, get an agency, start, start running, you know, get your hands dirty, start running these experiments and just be fearless of being fired and get your safety net. And then you will, you will get traction, you measure that. And now you can go back with a business case to your top leadership and it's like, hey, this is working, here are the metrics. Can we get budget, right? And here's a, here's a commitment and let's do it. I think that a handful, I mean, like uh, I can think of too many people that actually they are taking that approach. I think that people are actually going, moving the dial to the safe component. Really? Like I don't want to get fired. I just want to play safe. I mean, like I'm just going to be in the background. I think that that's the most dangerous component in market. I love it. Thank you so much. That's great. Well, Edmundo, thank you so much for your time. It's been great having you. Hopefully, when uh, Reality Check is uh, further on in further series, I'd love to have you back on the show. Oh, pleasure. Thank you for everything, Oliver. Pleasure. Take care, sir. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to Reality Check. For more info on me, our show, or our guests, or just to find out how you can come on the show, just drop me a DM on Instagram and I'll get back to you. In the meantime, keep up the good work.